Conjure. Hey, guys. Good to see you. My bicycle got a flat tire, so I carried it. Captain Klinsendorf. Heil Hitler. 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 You know, Freddy Finkel. Heil Hitler. 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 So, did I miss anything? No, no, we were just Heil Hitlering the boy, and then Heil Hitlering yourself, and then, of course, Heil Hitlering Freddy Finkel, and now we're in the midst of a routine inspection. Everybody and welcome to Generation Loss, the show where me and Jeremy watch movies. Yes, that's the show. That's the We're one. We're here. It's Hello. our <laughs> nine millionth podcast of the day. <laughs> Every word we say is on record now. Yep. <laughs> we, we, we only live on camera and on tape. It's mad. I Alex is having a... It's Alex's birthday on Friday, and he's doing oh. like a Zoom birthday party thing, and I was like... I was like, I know we shouldn't, but like, I bet if we taped it, people would be pretty stoked. (laughs) It's my birthday, Jeremy. I don't want to be on film. (laughs) Or does he? I don't know anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm liking it. It's fine by me. Yeah. The only, the literally the only conversations that exist anymore are like lovers quarrels, uh, how's how's your family doing and <laughs> recorded podcasts yeah and stuff that has nothing to do with the thing the event that is happening yeah yeah which is fun speaking of those things <laughs> what did you watch this week jeremy okay so um like everybody uh i am watching a lot right now yeah uh so i'm gonna just trim it down to something i watched this week that i really enjoyed and would like to talk about it's a documentary series on netflix called Sunderland Till I Die. And it's um, second season of it now. It's a documentary series about the uh, Sunderland Football Club. It's a soccer team in England and Sunderland in the Northeast, I want to say. Oh, it's football. Football. Uh, Yeah, the uh, Sunderland Football Club. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's a documentary series about them where like, they gave a lot of access to this crew to just kind of like follow them around in their day to day and kind of talk with like all different levels of this club at like players and like managers and trainers and whatever. Uh, But then also they like go into the community a lot. And um, it's just, it's really interesting because it's like, I think they started out with the intention of doing a show about like, you know, like what it takes to be like a modern football club and like, you know, <laughs> how do you compete well, like in a, this in this horrific uh, sport? Like our real life, uh, um, any given Sunday or whatever? Yeah, yeah, or Like yeah, Friday totally. Night Lights? Uh-huh, the Pacino one. What's the Pacino one? I think that's any given Sunday. Yeah. It, it kind of starts out like that, but it like very quickly as like, because they're following them for a whole season, right? And the first mm-hmm. season just goes abysmal for them. And they just like lose okay. like a motherfucker, and they get uh, they get uh, relegated. Which in in sports outside of the United States, 
every single team in the entire country is in a model where like if you do well you go up to the next league up so like uh, for example, like here, you know, like the Staten Island Yankees or like the Coney Island Cyclones, right? The little minor league baseball teams. Okay. It's as if like when they win their little minor league, then they play in major league baseball next year. <laughs> okay. And if you lose in major league baseball, then you go down to the minor leagues. And this goes all the way down to like teams that play in like community parks, right? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's so like, you can so, win over years to just... And eventually get to the top, yeah. Theoretically. Wow. Has and that so ever happened? Part of why the sport is so, like, why even in, like, tiny little towns, like, the sport is so passionate is because, like, you actually, like, have that level of buy-in where you could be like, my tiny-ass little town could eventually be one of the biggest teams in the world. Okay. Um, I didn't know that. And that's kind so of... So, do you, do you watch soccer? Uh, I did for a long time. I've been kind of, like, not invested in it a lot lately because I just have other shit going on. Okay. Uh, but I have like a, a fair enough basis in it to understand this level of stuff. But anyways, the point is, though, that the first season they lose and they get relegated, right? And so part of the show is is kind of like watching the psychological impact of that on these people because part of what comes with that is like pay cuts, budget cuts. Mm. You know, you're not getting as much TV time anymore. So now you've got to like make more decisions about like how you run your club. And so the second season is like this optimistic start where they're like, all right, I know we fell down, but like we're gonna be right back up, baby, because we're Sunderland. We're like a we're a fixture, you know. We're like a everybody loves Sunderland. Is that <laughs> and true? And then they just do even worse. <laughs> and they get like bought by this guy who like comes in. and He's like me. I'm just like a fans owner, you know. Like I just want to run this club. Like fans like to see a club get run. But then like it just goes even worse. <laughs> like it becomes like really apparent really quick that like he's rich but he's not own a soccer team rich. So he like doesn't have the money to do all the shit they need to do. Anyway, what's interesting about it though is like they they get into the community a lot too and talk to people about kind of like what the club means to them in their day-to-day life. And where is Sunderland? Sunderland is like, I think it's in the Northeast. It's like a shitty city that doesn't seem to have a whole lot going for it, basically. Uh, 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 of, what, of what country? England. Oh, okay. And it's like, it's just interesting because it's like they don't have a lot going for them. It's like a working class city full of people who, like a lot of their just like life seems to center around like how well this club is doing. Mm-hmm. And as it's falling apart, like the title kind of like takes on this... Uh, um like existential tone <laughs> yeah exactly like because it's like theoretically you're saying it in a passionate way where it's like this club means so much to me it's gonna be with me until i fucking die but then like yeah, yeah. as it goes on you're just like oh, it's like almost like fatalist <laughs> like to say sunderland <laughs> till i die <laughs> is that their slogan it's i don't think it's their slogan it's just like a chant it's just like a thing people mm-hmm. say like people have a tattoo that says sunderland till i die it's just like a thing gosh um but yeah, it's it's a fascinating show. I think even if you don't like soccer, there's like a lot to see in it, you know, in the way that these kind of like little trivial entertainments just kind of like numb the pain a lot of the time for people. <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny because I uh, don't watch any sport but basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been a basketball fan since I was a little kid. And I just never gave a shit about any other sport. That's a very like a um, city kid American thing. But things like if if things are made well, mm-hmm. 
some of my favorite content. Like I love 30 for 30s. I love John Boy's, con- you know, John Boy's. Yeah. I love his stuff, um, his little documentary. So I love a good sports documentary. Yeah, I think you'd probably like this. I think I would. <laughs> it sounds good. But yeah, it's fascinating. Um, especially because I didn't know that about soccer, and that makes it so much more fun. Yeah. Well, that's kind of part of the thing, too, is it's like the reason why like these clubs have this... Like, I mean, all of them are established in like... 1870 it's like so old these things and like so they're like so ingrained in the i looked it up uh out of curiosity i think like the yankees were established in like 1910 or something like that yeah 27 rings baby um <laughs> but like the, so these things go so far back in time for these places and a lot of them started as like it would be just kind of like a social group Oh yeah, like it wouldn't like just be. Like a club. That's why they're called the clubs. Yeah, exactly. Like it would be <laughs> the the guys who work at like a, a steel mill are just like, hey, <laughs> and out. on the weekend we play this stupid game, <laughs> and then like one day <laughs> the stupid game gets more serious or whatever. But like, so these things, I don't know, they're really tied to community there in a way that it's just really unfamiliar to us here. I think it's unfamiliar for some people. Mm-hmm. Like there there are towns in America that are like. Like I grew, I I spent my high school. I don't. I'm sure I've said this on one of my podcasts before, but I did high school and college in um in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and in North Carolina, UNC versus Duke is like it's like Ford versus Chrysler or not Chrysler, uh, Chevrolet. Like it's right. very important to people, which is weird because that I guess that not everyone knows how important that is to people either. Right. But <laughs> but it is. It's like people are like, fuck you. Like yeah. people will get in like real like it's a joke, haha, but like really I'm not gonna talk to you at this barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> well I think it like, like in like the major leagues it's tough because it's like uh a lot of the time it's like it's representing such a big geography that has so many diverse groups in it that it's harder yeah. to like have that sort of like close identity. Whereas like universities are like one mm-hmm. of the things I was thinking of is how like Sunderland is the name of the football club. It's also just the name of the city. So yeah. it's like they don't have a name. They're not like the Sunderland Eagles. You know? yeah. <laughs> They're just, just the like, city. <laughs> just Sunderland football club. Yeah. And so with like UNC, it's like this is the name of the place. And like that's the name of the team. And like North Carolina. This I is went about there. the place. Like, and that's the thing. Like those people went to that school. Like it's not a it's the city but it's also like the place where you went to school and you had like a lot that's tied to your youth and your upbringing the people you knew like Mm -hmm. it gets really weird like the psychology of sports is so interesting and i love when especially sports documentaries like tackle that kind of stuff or not even sports like did you see um high flying bird no it's a steven soderbergh movie about like a kid who's like going to the end getting signed to the nba it just came out last year or the year before, and it's really good. Yeah. Um, but that kind of stuff where they talk about like when it when it is deeply interested in investigating like the uh, the political and and economic ways that sport like the 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 business of sports plays into people's lives and 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 communities of like you know kids see like basketball as like getting out of poverty. Right. Um, and like that's one of their two options, you know. It's like that, or become a rapper, or a drug deal, you know, whatever. Right. Um, and that is also a really good way of making me really interested in your movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I assume with 
I don't know. Do they get into with the community? They get into any of the players like background of like where they came from a little bit. It's the players are really secondary. It's a lot about Mm. like the decisions being made at the top and then the way it impacts the fans and like the people who live in the city and like the way that these kind of choices that are made by like the chairman will trickle down to these people who you see like going to the barber shop and like going to grocery shop and whatever like th- mm-hmm. there's it's it's really more about that dynamic. like the players are in it here and there but th- there's a weird dynamic too with the press over there where like i think players are taught from a really young age like just don't talk to a journalist because <laughs> like here Good you idea. know <laughs> the the pipeline to getting into professional sports is usually th- via college You'll go to college and play ball there and then for four years and then you go to the majors, right? Whereas there, it's like you're in an academy at the club from the age of like 13. So like mm. you, if you're a good enough player, your schooling means nothing. And so <laughs> like, people kind of like athletes grow up to be like a lot dumber over there. And like, right. you know, it's they're great. They, they play fantastic sport and their lives are meaningful. But like when an, when somebody interviews them, you just see them kind of just like smile and nod. And they're just like, yeah, I don't really like to talk about that. Like there's a scene in this most recent season season where like they have the star player who's like popping off at the beginning of the season and everyone's like holy shit this is it this is the guy he's like good enough to play in like the way bigger leagues than we're in and like this is gonna mean everything to us and then his agent starts being like actually he might move to france and they're like oh no 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 he can't he can't and so the documentary guys are like interviewing him and they're like so what do you say to that there's a lot of rumors swirling about you and he's like hmm i just let my agent do the talking on that (laughs) me i'm just focusing on the football (laughs) (laughs) because otherwise like if you say anything like you just get yourself in trouble yeah yeah um so that sounds like a fun show yeah i think you really like it how many are there there's two seasons they're like seven episodes a piece Oh, okay, so not are they like an hour long? They're like or? an hour long, yeah. I mean, oh, okay. listen, we all got nothing but time right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be good. I can catch up. Big warning, <laughs> big warning. The okay. theme song sucks ass. It's like some really like saccharine like like folk song where this guy's singing about how the city is important or whatever. It's really lame. <laughs> so just that sounds skip right bad. over that. <laughs> that reminds me of Firefly. Have you ever seen Firefly? No, but I've heard a lot of people talk about it. <laughs> I'm sure you have. <laughs> but yeah, that move, that show has a really bad theme song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm always like, just skip it. Don't even listen to it. Don't worry about it. It's um, a pretty fun show, though. So what did you watch? Uh, well, like you, I also watched many things. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, the one I wanted to talk about was a movie called um, The Platform. Oh, yeah. That's also Did on Netflix, watch it? right? It is. Yeah, no, I haven't watched it yet, but I saw I looked at it and then I saw someone tweet about it and I was like, maybe I'll give that a watch. Is it worth it? <laughs> yeah, that that was one I wa- so I watched it because it was sort of like popular on Letterboxd mm-hmm. like for like 2 weeks. Damn. Um and one of the I was just like reading their reviews and it seemed to be like a very political movie. Right. It's about like a so prison, right? So that's all I knew. Yeah, I guess. I I just I didn't really know what it was about, and then I just watched it. And uh, so it's. Do you ever see Cube? Yes. It's like a movie where they like 
people are just like find themselves in a cube right and and yeah. they're just like getting trapped and killed and whatever uh-huh. it's very similar to that movie but it is um better <laughs> a lot better um basically the premise is there's two guys and they're in a room and there's a hole in the middle and you can see up and it's all like more rooms like that like okay. there's a square hole and you can see up there's just a ton more and then down there's just a ton more you can't it's just like blackness okay but um, you can't see like you can't see and communicate with the people in the room below or are there people in the room below you that you can there's there's two people in the room below and like in everyone okay um but they're sort of just like fuck off <laughs> um <laughs> And uh, because they're like, you're above us, fuck you. And then the people above you are like, you're below us, fuck you. Okay. Um, and uh, and then every few, every little while, every day, there's this huge tray that fills the entire square, the hole, of food. And it starts at the top, and then people get to eat it for like five minutes, and then it goes down to the bottom. Okay. And so people have to like survive off of that Mm -hmm. so basically the idea is how big a tray of food is this it's like it's like you can like three people could lay on it okay like it's like it's a big bed full of like delicious cakes and steak and lobster and like all of this food right but But it's like but so the hole is not that big though the hole is that big but you can't like just jump down it or whatever or you you don't want to because it's like an infinite like it's infinite yeah yeah. (laughs) if you jump down you die which does happen Uh the first line in the movie is there are those above and those below and the ones that fall okay those are three kinds of people all right so you've got this very high concept movie yeah right um and what what is good about the movie is that it does not explain this at all like it's like this is like it doesn't really explain why it exists, but what you find out over the course of the movie is that one of the guys is there at, as a punishment, and another one of the guys is there because he wanted in. He signed up to go there in exchange for a accredited degree. Interesting. So he he like went there of his own volition, and so basically it's this sort of it, it always veers on the um on the precipice of being too on the nose. Yeah. Cause it's like very clearly about capitalism right. and you know, society. So it's like the people at the very top on the first floor, they get all of the food. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as it goes down, there's just like, you're just getting empty plates. Right. And so every month you wake up on a different floor. Oh, and so sometimes, and it's random apparently. So in the, in the course of the movie this guy is sort of like learning the ropes and he's on like level 40 i think so they're getting some food and then the the next place they wake up is like 120 (laughs) and then it starts getting really dark right um and it's incredibly violent like i don't really i've since since you haven't seen it it's kind of a new movie i don't really want to spoil it i guess yeah um i usually would but i feel like the whole movie is kind of based on like the twists and turns and learning the concept right, of what yeah. the movie's trying to go for. Um, but it, it has like beheadings. <laughs> um, what, what's great about the movie is that it, um, every time you have a question, you're like, well, what if this happened? 
it, it, it is, it knows you asked that question and then it gives it to you. Mm-hmm. It's like, it takes this very simple sort of on the nose concept of like, what if literally the classes were a, you know, a 200 level stack of people and all they could do was, you know, eat right and not kill each other. Do we ever oh, see also- the absolute top? Yeah. And is it like a nicer cell or anything? No, the cell is just the cell, but the absolute top is where they make the food. Interesting. So the the the, the level zero is is the top one, uh-huh. and that's just like a kitchen with like these like very fancy garçon like you know right people and chefs. They all like dress the same, sort of like Wes Anderson-y. It's all very. Uh, it's all very symmetrical and they like put all the plates and it's like this, they make this huge, beautiful thing and then it just goes lower and lower until people are just like bloody. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then every night the, the platform just like shoots back up to the top and like all this wind creates. Also they make, it's like, well, what if you keep the food? And then like, if you keep the food, your room gets like super hot or cold until you die. So you have to like throw the food you kept back. Um, Oh, so you can't pull anything off of the... Mm-mm. You have huh. to eat it while it's there. So it's like they, they think of everything. Yeah. <laughs> and and like it really just... It's a whole movie where they really, really explore this concept. And the ending is very, very vague, but in a cool way because it's like... Do you ever get any okay. like Joey Chestnuts ass guys who are just like pounding <laughs> hot dogs down their face? That's everybody. Like, so the movie kind of focuses on this one guy who is like, hey, don't eat everything. You got to leave stuff for everybody. Like if we all just like eat a a plate, Uh like everyone can have some. But the whole movie is this guy's like one mission to get everyone to cooperate. Right. (laughs) Um, And just do that. But then slowly realizing that the problem is that everyone, like the people at the top are running this prison Mm -hmm. and like the the whole structure shouldn't even exist and so they're trying to figure out how to like make it not exist um and then they conceive of a plan um to do that um and that's like the ending is like them trying to do that plan cool so it's it's pretty weird Uh and i was i was sort of oscillating as i was watching it between like is this a really cool like sort of surrealist film um in like sort of the vein of Bunuel and in you know is it making an interesting point well or is it sort of like it it always teeters on like fight clubby like i'm making a point yeah but then sort of subverts itself and is like it's not that serious i'm just trying to make a fun movie with an interesting point right you know and get get you to reflect on something so i think it's pretty successful sort and of like I a think, like a vertical snow piercer if you will yeah yeah it's exactly <laughs> like that which i think also snow i don't think we've ever talked about snow no because i haven't seen it <laughs> i just know the oh. one thing about it <laughs> <laughs> that it's a train it's a train and that each and car front, represents, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah but that's also a movie that um really teeters on like is it two up its own ass mm-hmm. And then quickly subverts itself and be like, no, no, it's, it's not, we're not taking ourselves that seriously, but this is important stuff we're talking about. Right. Um, and I think this movie does that really well. It's also a very interesting movie because it um, is a Spanish film that is dubbed. Oh. And I hadn't seen a movie in a long time that was in a foreign language and then dubbed. Yeah. Um, Did you ever watch Dark? 
Oh, the German show that's Stranger Things or whatever? I never watched it. Yeah, it's like a German, like, weird time travel show. I think you'd love it, actually. Is it dubbed? Uh, Yes, it is, Uh, which is what made me think of it. It's a German show that's (laughs) dubbed into English, uh, and it's super-duper weird to, like, you get used to it eventually, but it's very weird. (laughs) I've heard I'd like it a lot, but, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you would absolutely love it. If you love the Hodor episode... Mm, my friend, you will love Dark. <laughs> Imagine oh, if the excited. whole series was nothing but the Hodor episode. <laughs> That's all I wanted. And then it's also in modern Germany, and everyone wears like cool windbreakers. <laughs> <laughs> we are going back in time, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's all just about like loops, and like you have to like fix the loop all the time and whatever. Anyway. It's like primer the show. Who is this guy? Who directed this? No idea. Galder Gastelo Urrutia. It's a Spanish film and advertising director and producer. One of the things about the movie, though, is that it it, um, very quickly, like, is like, this is a political movie. Because, like, in the first, like, 15 minutes, he's like, why don't, why don't the people, why don't we just all, like, make sure we are all being fed correctly right. by like you know rationing and the other guy says are you a communist <laughs> and the, <laughs> that sucks and the, and, <laughs> and the guy goes i'm reasonable um so it's like it's a little little on it's the nose, so on the nose yeah. but then it's like never really addressed that other things outside exist right um so yeah that's very funny it, it's weird because it's like wait are you against communism in this sci-fi like skyscraper like literal fascist yeah <laughs> like I, I mean like why would why are people anti com it's it's a little confusing um but the guy i read an interview with the director and he's very uh very cagey mm-hmm. about saying what he like meant by anything yeah he's just like well, i don't know nothing well, he works in advertising he's <laughs> Does he? That's what it said on his Wikipedia. Yeah, it's like I think this is his first movie. I don't know. His Wikipedia is not very fleshed out at all. Mm. It looks like this might be his first big project, and that he otherwise was like an advertising guy. The shorts and who stuff. might have just like yeah, he might have just gotten a good break on this or something. Lots of good uh, directors used to just do commercials, mm-hmm. like uh, all of the Chris Cunningham. Um, Spike Jones. Yeah, Spike Well, I guess he was a skate guy. Yeah, but, and uh, he did like music videos and shit. But hey, ask yourself, what are skate videos or music videos but advertisements? Exactly. Uh, Truly, especially David, skate videos David are Fincher. literally just a big commercial. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think I would recommend this movie. Yeah. I, 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 it's cool. It's it's definitely easy to watch. Mm. I'd say that. Like it's it's unlike a movie like. Uh, you know the the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie that's like a political surrealist movie like from Boonwell or something it's very violent and very fun even if you don't give a shit about what it's trying to say um but it seems like what it's trying to say is pretty cool even if it's a little on the nose at times or a lot on the nose at times Mm -hmm. it's still just you kind of just get lost in like the immediacy of like this guy trying to survive and that's kind of the point is that like it's hard to expect people to like organize when they're so deeply alienated. Right. <laughs> um, like, what do you do? Like, where do you even start? Yeah. Um, and when you're alienated and everybody else is alienated too, and it's like thinking about how they would communicate up and down the pipe 
would be like yeah it would be like telephone it'd be like playing telephone to your kid you yeah know? that's that's sort of what's what's fun about it is that it's like it it kind of isn't it doesn't feel like a messagey movie just because it's sort of like showing you all of what it's more interested in showing you the trap that you're in mm-hmm. rather than like this is how we fix something so i like yeah. it i'd probably watch it tonight check it out it's pretty short it's easy to watch we all need something to watch (laughs) (laughs) rapidly running out of things to watch Uh, oh no we'll never run out of things to watch there's so many things. no i know but i mean like tv shows really running through them right now (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) shit that i can like casually watch and text at the same time that's really what i'm running low on that's yes exactly a, a wash in good things to watch but I don't always have the attention span for a good thing. So sometimes I just want to watch some dumb bullshit. And I've already seen right. every episode of 30 Rock 9,000 times. Oh, my God. That sounds torturous. <laughs> uh, well, that's the funny, the funny thing about the platform was that I, was expect- I saw that it was a Spanish film. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, let's try and remember any Spanish <laughs> from being a kid. And I was just like, I'm going to try and watch this. Uh, but then it was dubbed and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to go clean my apartment. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> um, while I watch this. So it's, uh, it's, e- it's easy. Nice. Cool. So let's talk about the movie we yes. watched. Um, the movie we watched was not planned. Yeah. Um, we were originally going to do a movie that is sort of a so bad it's good movie, but we're going to save it for Halloween, mostly because it's hard to source. It is tough. Because <laughs> it's old and weird. It's, it's very um, similar to uh, uh, the Neil Breen f- Fable findings. findings. Can never remember that mm-hmm. name. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's insane it's, it's and stupid. It's a stupid name. Uh, but yeah, similar to Fable Findings, it's impossible to find. We were going to watch uh, yeah. Pieces, and yeah. uh, it's impossible to find it. I didn't check Pornhub. It might be on Pornhub. Oh, um, yeah. Well, there's so many different versions, too, and I wanted you to see the the right one uh, okay. that's, like, funny. So we'll have to, um, like, actually source it. Yeah, so... But anyway, uh, I uh, was watching well, Jojo Rabbit last night and texting Brain about mm-hmm. it, so we decided to change gears, retool, yeah. watch Jojo <laughs> motherfucking Rabbit, and I'm glad we did. Well, <laughs> I'm really excited to talk about it. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it too because so I I've, I talked about this on the show I think I saw about half of this movie on a plane, mm-hmm. um, of what like last month, it seems like one one million years, years ago, ago back yeah. in February <laughs> when I was on a plane, uh, <laughs> and I I was enjoying it ish and I I was sort of curious where it was gonna go, um so when Jeremy was like oh I watched it and I had a really interesting time with it. Uh, I was like, I want to talk to, I want to finish that and talk about it because I have a lot of feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because we just talked, we've been talking about so like, let's, I wanted to talk about political movie because we haven't been for a little yeah. while. So let's, let's get into it. Yeah. So quick plot synopsis. Uh, Go for Jojo it. Rabbit is about uh, a young boy in 1930s Germany. 40s. 40s it's almost the end of it's almost the yeah, end of so the it's, war it's towards the it's at the back end of the second world war he's jojo's a young boy in 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 germany and it follows jojo's bizarre adventure as he uh <laughs> <laughs> as he goes to hitler youth camp uh mm-hmm. accidentally blows himself up with a grenade scarring himself for life then uh he has hitler as a 
imaginary yeah, all throughout friend this, yes, Hitler is an imaginary friend, uh, which yeah, we'll, which we'll get to. Uh, but he he goes to his local uh, Nazi emporium, I guess, and like gets kind of like a couple <laughs> of little jobs here and there, volunteering, doing various things for the Nazis. Meanwhile, uh, he at home one night uh, finds out that his mother has been harboring a Jew uh, in their between their walls, I guess, and like a little crawl space thing. Um, mm-hmm. And so the rest of the movie kind of follows his development of his relationship with her as the war kind of comes to a close. It becomes clearer and clearer that Germany's not going to win. And then he kind of like develops a relationship with her that kind of gets more and more like romantic, I guess you'd call it. He has a crush crush on her her and it's developing over the movie. And uh, at the end, uh, the war kind of comes home and, and destroys his town. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a hell of a fucking back end. (laughs) And that's kind of the first thing I wanted to really talk about is like, how wild the last act of the movie is. Right. So just to be clear, we're going to spoil this movie. Uh, it's a fairly new, it's, it's probably one of the newer movies we've it's talked about. It's probably the newest about. movie we've, we've done as a full episode. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, apologies. If you don't want to, yeah. if you don't want to know how it, it, it would be insane. I, if you think that it's important for you to not know how Jojo rabbit ends <laughs> before you watch it, you're a very strange person, yeah. but, uh, we're going to talk about it. So, yeah, I don't know how else to, how else to talk about this movie? Cause I think a lot of what there is to talk about is the end. So yeah. Apologies. Well, if you know, if you were looking forward to this episode this week and you don't want to be spoiled, I really feel for you, but <laughs> you got to turn the show off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just listen to us and then watch it. If you feel like it, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting movie, right? So, the thing about this movie is that it is a movie about a little kid who is a Nazi, uh, literally mm-hmm. one in Germany. Um, but it is not really about that at all. Like by, t- by Watiti's own words, like it's kind of about now yeah, and it's kind of about fascism and how it's dealt with among normal people and divides in families and how, how it ruins people's lives and how it kills people's families. Yeah. <laughs> but it's done very lightheartedly in the beginning and sort of throughout the movie because Watiti is sort of like this uh, cartoon version of Hitler because he's, he's the, t- a 10-year-old's imaginary yeah. friend. So he's just dressed up as Hitler. He's, and he is a, he's a delight. He is very funny to watch. And he's really fun. And like the rapport between the two of them is really enjoyable to watch. Mm -hmm. I think. So one of the things I kept thinking about during this is like how ballsy it was to make this movie. (laughs) I don't think it gets enough credit for that. And I don't think anyone in Hollywood would give it that kind of credit because I think that it's, it's a really risky move now there was a long time Mm -hmm. where it wasn't a risky move, you know, in like, I sent you this article in the New Yorker where they kind of like compare it to the work of Mel Brooks, who famously makes fun of Nazis all the time. Right. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of place it in the context of historical Nazi satire, but it's a whole different age of Nazi satire now. And I don't think that this would top the list of anybody's dream projects because of the fact that like this is a very sensitive nerve right now 
And even making a regular movie about Nazis, if you glorify the Nazis too much, if you like seem like you don't immediately think and like like if the if you even like portray any humanity for any Nazi ever, it could go very poorly for you in your career. And to then make a movie that yeah. is not only like not tiptoeing, it is like tap dancing in front of the Nazis, <laughs> like <laughs> happily making fun of them gleefully enjoying it but also like showing a lot of humanity within the ranks of the nazis himself as the director in the movie playing funny hitler like very (laughs) very courageous movie (laughs) i would agree with that and i think well it's funny i was reading an interview right before we started doing this this episode with watichi um where it i was reading a transcript it was from npr and it it got so heated Mm -hmm like in the transcript that I was like, I have to listen to this. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> cause, cause this interviewer is just like, I want to have a rebuttal here. And like, he's like, wait, I'm not finished. You're not letting me finish my story. <laughs> um, but he basically was saying that the studio said, the only way you can make this movie is if you play right. Hitler. And he was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. I'm a Brown guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a Polynesian Jew. And they were like, yeah, that's the only way we're going to do it. And so he was like, okay. Uh, And he realized in retrospect that, you know, if anyone else had played Hitler, it would have, you know, someone might have taken it a little too seriously or tried to do it like a a more realistic portrayal of Hitler. Or it would have distracted if it was some celebrity, like it would have distracted from the story of like this sort of news spectacle of like Tom Cruise playing Hitler or whatever, you know. Um, And so he realized that the studio made a really good call there. Um, but it's insane that that wasn't his intention. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like really the only thing that makes it okay. Yeah, kind of. And it's like ethically the only, like, it's the only good move. Because, like like I was saying, it's like such a risky movie to make to begin with. To to have written in Funny Hitler as a main character of the thing. To, to right. not shoulder that burden yourself kind of feels like... Uh, I don't want to say cowardly, but I mean, like it is part of what comes with the courage of making this movie. I think is like, you have yeah, to totally. shoulder that yourself because you're the one who thought of funny Hitler. You have to be funny. Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do it. You're yeah. the guy. Yeah. So, and the other thing the NPR interviewer brings up is she's like, I wanted to ask you because Charlie Chaplin said that if he had known about the concentration camps, when he was making The Great Dictator, he wouldn't have made it. Mm -hmm. And he feels like bad that he made it because it was like too serious. And Watiti is just like, I don't give a shit. Like, (laughs) he's like, it's still a really important movie. And it like, it, it does say what he meant to say. And it only is more intense because of how evil the Nazis were um, and what they did. Um, and so they get into like a weird argument about it. So it seemed like I didn't really realize that the libs were more angry about it than I thought yeah. they would be. <laughs> um, well, and there's no it's surprising that it won, that it got nominated for anything at it all. It kind of speaks to how good the movie is. <laughs> is that like, cause the, there's no safe ground, you know, there's no safe group for this movie because it's the libs are mad about it. I don't think anybody on like the left is particularly thrilled about the idea of making light of Nazis. I don't think 
the right wants to be associated with anything Nazi, outwardly Nazi related. You know, everything has to be covert. Right. And the real Nazis are just looking at this like, you're making fun of us. <laughs> like, so there's nobody <laughs> yeah, who this is necessarily like a solid base hit with. There's no clapter happening in this movie. Clapter? Yeah, it's like when uh, when a comedian does like the. Okay, so I saw Margaret uh, Cho I, once, I, I, and I Margaret Cho <laughs> comes out and she's like, "I don't understand why Donald Trump is blah 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 blah." Like, <laughs> and then everyone's like, "Ha ha ha!" Clap, 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 clap. It's like the easy base hit that you just like take because you, you get a reaction out of the crowd, right? right? The, I just got married. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, sure. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. This isn't. I think one of the things I do like about the movie is that it is um, not clearly resistance. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. like we got to resist. It's more interested in something else, um, which is sort of this. What I think the movie is trying to do is talk about how people are are sometimes torn apart from each other and by you know hatred mm-hmm. and that they should come together or something like it's sort of i, I, I don't know it, it's I, I think so my biggest criticism about the movie and what i really wanted to talk to you about because you liked it a lot yeah is what does this movie mean right <laughs> like and and i and i've been thinking about it all day and i just don't know if i can really pin it down because to me it feels like I don't get what the point of making a 10 year old kid, because it feels like it's talking about like kids who are getting like encroached into the alt, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're dumb and, you know, angry because their dad's left them. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's almost right. on the nose. But it's too ca- young of a kid for that exact thing. Right. Because there's more to it than that. You know, mm-hmm. there's, it's not, it's not a dumb kid who's just tricked into it because it's the only thing he knows and it also feels odd because scarlett johansson is anti-fascist like she's she's making you know the the leaflets and she actually gets killed for you know being Mm anti-nazi so it's like what are we talking about (laughs) exactly well what i think one of the big takeaways i took from it is like up until kind of like the end of it and even towards through the end of it a big part of what they're showing you is like the humanity of all these different people, right? You're seeing everybody as real people in a real community. That's like kind of cheery and like fun and wholesome. And like, you know, everybody is part of this neighborhood. They're all part of the, they're, they're all social with each other and whatever. And I mean, there's like part of you that's resisting the idea of like humanizing Nazis and making them seem like people. Right. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but what I think it's kind of talking about is this way that fascism tends to kind of like take people for a ride, you know, like sweep mm-hmm. up these people who were normal people before and be- and were normal people after, but for a time were part of this machine, right? Jojo it was just a kid before and after he's just a kid again, but during it, he's a cog in the machine of the Nazis mm-hmm. and he's part of like as just like a dumb kid who who is easily impressioned is part of their killing operation, right? Something that I always think about is it's it's like a it's a upsetting thought that I come to a lot of the time in my life uh, when I'm like really feeling sad about something. <laughs> I'll just start thinking about this to make myself feel worse. Okay, uh, <laughs> it's an interesting is like, behavior uh, in in Cambodia. Um, oh gosh, 
<laughs> the people who were in the killing fields, mm-hmm. like not the people who were dying in the killing fields, the people who were doing the killing in the killing fields, a lot of the times were not soldiers. They didn't have the soldiers available to do the killing that they wanted to do. So mm-hmm. a lot of those people were just like postal workers you know, plumbers, right. people who like lived in that town now were operating the killing fields and like executing people on like a mass scale. Right. Right. And it's just always this, this like upsetting reality that you think about where you're like, there is just some weird switch that gets flipped in people where they go from being like the postal worker who's just like whistling as he walks down the street delivering letters to becoming the guy who's like fucking slamming babies against a tree You know what I mean? And so I think kind of part of what was really moving about Jojo Rabbit for me was showing the humanity of all these people as something that's almost scarier than if you weren't humanizing them. That's Mm -hmm. what's so terrifying is like the idea that like, yeah, Stephen Merchant is a goofball. He's also there. And if he found her and he found out that the that Jojo was harboring a, a Jew, everybody would be killed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He is a goofball. That's true about him. He is like a funny, charming guy who like cracks jokes and whatever in a very relatable, fun way. And he's there to kill. You know right. what I mean? I think I think that comes through for me a little bit because I did. I, I, I don't dislike this movie mm-hmm. um, just to put it on the table. Like I don't I, I don't think I loved it. And I think for me, a, a part of that is just because I don't get the arcs. Like, I don't yeah. think that they're emotionally, like as a movie, it really worked for me as like, <sighs> Jojo is annoying to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> like his character is just like this really stuck up bratty kid that I just want Scarlett Johansson to smack and be like, you can't do this in my house. Fuck you. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like that feels more reasonable and her being like, I wish he would stop being a Nazi feels <laughs> annoying. Uh-huh. Um, I get, I guess I understand why. And then him, like his mom dying is really sad. And I think her performance in certain places is really great. But then it's like, okay, so what, it, what happens to Jojo is that he just like learns to not be a Nazi, I guess. And so I, I don't know. It doesn't feel emotionally there because it's just like. Well, I think he was already on his way to being done with being a Nazi at that point through his relationship with, I can't remember her name, but the girl in the wall. Um, right, Elsa. Elsa. Yeah, his relationship with Elsa is already bringing him further from being a Nazi than he'd ever been before. By this point, he'd already had like several strained, weird conversations with his imaginary Hitler, you know, mm-hmm. who is kind of like himself representing where Jojo is in terms of, you know, his ideology, right? At the beginning, he's mm-hmm. just like a naive, goofy little kid talking to his goofy Hitler, having some fun, whatever. And then for a while, Hitler's like giving him like real sound uh, advice on how to root out, <laughs> you know, information Jew, yeah. from this Jew. <laughs> And then over time, like, they kind of just start, like, scuttling with each other and, like, they're having fights. And then, you know, the very last thing, he kicks him out the window and whatever. But, like, right. I think that by the time he sees his mother, he's kind of already, he's already disillusioned from the ideology and seeing that as kind of, like, the period on the end of the sentence for him that's kind of, you know, closing the closing the loop, so to speak, and kind of bringing him back to, like, 
this is what the conclusion of this ideology is because for him it's it's this lighthearted fun thing you know death doesn't mean anything to him yet because he hasn't seen anybody die he hasn't like all of his like shenanigans are really goofy like i mean blowing him up with a grenade is kind of maybe a tough thing to open <laughs> because like <laughs> that does seem like the kind of thing that would like make mortality more serious for somebody they kind of right well he's also like it's right after they ask him to kill a rabbit he knows he can't do it right but i think that actually makes a little sense to me because a lot of fascism is about like this sort of you know it's a reaction towards a feeling of weakness or or you know this sort of like it's a it's a way of making tricking people into security you know by like making them feel like they're in some cool group right um where you know it's always a it's always a a trick by the people in power you know it's always people being like oh, you have to trust us and give us mm-hmm. all of your, you know, give us all of your d- democracy and independence, you know, t- well, you're going to take it away, but you're going to be on the, you're, you're going to be on top. Right. So that and made yeah, sense exactly. to it's, me. It's the, you're going to get something out of this. Right. Um, and, and I think that made sense because he, it was the, the angry young man who feels like he has no power, like him being shown that by his peers would only make him more angry, you know, mm-hmm. it didn't make him like, wait, maybe this Nazi stuff is, you know, I don't think that jump made sense. Right. It make it made sense that he was just be more angry and more like, now I can't help. Um, the, yeah. you know, so, so for that, him, for Jojo as a kid, like, I think that violence is like, violence is something that's very inherent to young people. I think like there is just something in the young mind that like trends towards a lust for violence in a weird mm-hmm. way, like you, as a kid, you like you like ninjas and you like army guys and you <laughs> like you know like that sort of shit just comes to you <laughs> pretty naturally, um, and so for him to like fetishize the soldiers makes a lot of sense. But then to see his mother dead kind of brings home this idea of like this is what the end of this is. You understand, you know, <laughs> like right? You, some of the people are gonna be out of the group, and some of them are gonna be people you care about. Yeah. Um, and I think that's fine, but it's mm-hmm. like, uh, I think the problem is, is the problem that I had with it was that's not how fascism works for the people who believe it, mm-hmm. you know, like lots of teenagers, you know, just people slightly older than him would be like, well, fuck my mom. She did. She was a Jew loving yes. idiot, you know? And, and, and I feel like. I think it's a story about something else. I think it's not about the true believers. It's about the people who got taken for the ride. That's okay. kind of how I see it is. It's about the people who something we, you know, we talked about in uh, the bicycle thieves episode is like kind of where Italy was at after, after the war, you know, left with absolutely nothing when they were just on this, like, you know, fascism, part of what the, what the experience of like living around fascism is, is like, it's a high, you know, it's, you always hear it described Mm -hmm. as like, it's a high, you feel incredible because you're like, my country's fucking doing it. You know, we're (laughs) out there. We are the purest of blood, you know, like we are fucked. Our hearts are Eagles. We're going to (laughs) fuck. We're going to fucking mount this goddamn continent. It's going to be ours. And then at the end of it all, you're left with like a fucking smoking crater in the ground. (laughs) And you're like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck just happened? You know, (laughs) it's like coming off a Molly and you just like, (laughs) you just have no, nothing left in you right um unless you're america and then it lasts for 
decades yeah, and decades. It lasts and... for the rest of time, basically a thousand year American Reich. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it's an interesting thing to talk about, but it definitely still feels like there's this setup of like, well, if you just get to know Jews, uh-huh. that there's, a, there's certain parts I of the movie that, that part sucks. I think that like, okay. I, so I, what I loved about this movie isn't what we're talking about right now, which is, we'll get to it. But, um, like, I think that that kind of sucks. I think Taiko Waititi is not necessarily like, he's not a scholar on fascism. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he's not a, uh, he doesn't seem to have done a lot of reading on denazification. Like, there, that stuff is kind of weak. I think that telling the story of the people in the, like, the people who just kind of are part of, the machine who gets swept up to become part of the machine, I think is interesting. That's all I'd say about that. It's an interesting perspective that you don't see a lot. Yeah. I think that's, that's fair. And I, and I, and I think that is, I guess I, I've just been have trouble grappling with this because I kind of do see the eight point is like, I don't want to humanize Nazis. Mm-hmm. Like, I, because the people like uh, Sam Rockwell's character. Yeah is a guy who purposefully joined the military. Like, you don't, you know, I know there was, like, some... I don't like, know some, if he did. That's kind of the thing, is, like... I know there was, like, like, some conscription. There was a fair um, amount of conscription, yeah. Yeah, and, like, it is really hard to talk about, because it's, like, you know, even even now in uh, in America, you know, there's people who are joining the military who do not have the politics of the government. Right. You know? So it is obvious that you know, some people are going to be not true believers or whatever. Right. But at the same time, being like, well, a lot of people were just following orders also seems like a cop out. And I don't feel like the movie does a great job dealing with that. And I feel like a lot of the movie should be dealing with that considering what's it about. (laughs) Sam Rockwell's character is interesting because of the, the fact that he's gay and Right. That's like a big part of that too is it's not necessarily about him, you know, just following orders as much as this is about like him being an officer is him hiding in the wall. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's they're trying to and I don't know whether or not that's like I don't know if I buy that necessarily, but that's kind of what they're trying to get at with him is like he's hiding as much as anybody else is by taking this kind of like bullshit little job in you know because what he is when we meet him is like a camp counselor you know right. and then later <laughs> on he's like a just a paper pusher at a shitty little office um mm-hmm. who kind of what i was saying before is just part of their community that's more of what his role in this is is just kind of like a guy in the neighborhood they know <laughs> right but i guess i guess when you take that and you realize that what tt is making a movie about America or like whether he wanted to or not, like it ends up being about modern day fascism. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, when does that, when do we talk about what we should do if that happens now? You know what I mean? Like when, you know, ice is at your, you know, when people, you know, are in department of Homeland security or ice or something like, what is your responsibility? Right. You know, like, are we talking about just people who are like, well, I needed a job or like, well, I didn't want to get, like arrested you know it's like is that a good enough excuse sure (laughs) and i feel like the movie doesn't really want to grapple with that Mm -hmm. which i think is the thing i found annoying because it seems like that's what it's about (laughs) like you have to grapple with these things because 
it's a political movie. I, 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 I'm okay with excusing some of it. If you're trying to do one thing, I'm not going to ask you to like make a bunch of political commentary. But if you make a movie about fascism, I'm going to ask you to clarify yeah. <laughs> some, some very important things. And like, if you're not going to be making a very specific point, then I'm going to need some lines drawn. Um, and I feel like my biggest problem was that some people don't really ever get comeuppance emotionally in the movie. Yeah, I mean, Sam Rockwell gets executed. I guess, but it almost <laughs> feels like you're supposed to feel bad for him. Yeah, I mean, well, but I think that's part of the idea is that, like, he and, and I don't know, it's, it's tough because it's like... <laughs> There's no Nazi where they die, and you're like, yeah, fuck you for being a Nazi. It's true, but I mean, like, it's also like, those aren't the characters in the movie, I guess, because we're not at the front lines. We're not in the high government offices. We're in, like a shitty little neighborhood where, you know, kids go to camp, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's tough. Cause it's, it's tough to tell a story within the Nazi world war two story. That isn't the big one, you know? Sure. No, but I think that's okay. But I, I think my point is like, if I was going to make a movie about ice agents, mm-hmm. like my movie, even if, if the whole movie was spent, like, you know, being like, these people are just, people some of them are even hispanic like some they're you know it's a job for them even if that's the movie and like look you know their relationships with their spouses and their children or whatever my movie would still end ideally with them being like summarily executed for their crimes (laughs) like i I, I just don't you know what i mean like you have to have a be like you can recognize that there are reasons that people do this but if you do it that is evil that's what evil is and the banality of evil is that is just that and so for me i feel like my i really like a lot of the stuff jojo's doing Mm. and my big kind of like weird issue with it is that it's like okay but are you saying it's understandable and and it it just feels a little bit at, at a certain point where it's like if you can be a nazi and that's understandable at some levels and i was just like eh. I would rather just have Jojo kill that guy or something like, I I don't know. Like I want some part of the movie to you, the audience understand that Sam Rockwell did evil things and is an evil person, regardless of how much you understand what, why he did what he did. But it's, I guess, I I don't know. I mean, we don't get enough of him to know what he did really. Cause again, it's like, in the movie, he's a camp counselor. You know, he yeah. just runs a little camp, uh, drinks, and <laughs> fucks off from his job. Like, <laughs> it's hard to tell. Like, yeah, and I like your point. I like your point that that is like sort of more scary. Yeah, right? and and I think that that's true. But the problem is, is that the movie never really puts that period on it and be like this is scary what he's doing. And the reason it's scary is because what it results in is the death of someone, the death of innocence. I think I'm with you on that. I think there is, there is like a closing the loop that doesn't happen on that. Yeah. Um, And that's, I think what feels so weird to me because I feel like that is what it's trying to say. And I think that you're right that it's trying to be like what all of this resulted in was the murder of 11 million innocent people right. in the country, let alone the millions of people who died uh, in the war. I guess you could um, say that part of that closing the loop is like 
the the beautiful (laughs) well that too but i mean like this like gorgeous like part of the thing that we didn't really talk about at all is like how beautiful the movie is it's like really colorful and like it's kind of twee in a weird way it's Mm -hmm. almost like a wes anderson war movie at times it's Mm -hmm. it feels a lot like especially the hitler youth camp feels like he took a lot of inspiration uh from moonlight or moonrise kingdom and so it's like a beautiful colorful vibrant place that they exist in and this is kind of one of the things i really loved about it is like is how vibrant the place is to then have the whole third act be that place getting fucking destroyed and like (laughs) there's just like bombs and like every and like to I guess maybe part of like the closing the loop is that like where this all led is in this beautiful place being fucking wrecked, you know, like this thing Mm -hmm. that maybe represents like Jojo's innocence in the world, you know, his like beautiful cheery disposition at the beginning of the movie where like Hitler's eating unicorn meat and like, he's having like a grand old time, like talking to his (laughs) invisible friend and like going to sleepaway camp and whatever. And then at the end of it, it's just like a smoldering crater full of like dead people, children. Right. You see like dead children and old people all over the place. And it's like, this is where this ideology led us to. And it's like, maybe not necessarily about the individual people as much as it is about the ideology and where that leads. Because mm-hmm. I think that it's such an important thing to be talking about that, I think more now more than ever, it was so hard. Like, do you remember being a kid and learning about Hitler Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like the concept as you grow up, like it was like, okay, well there was this guy who was really evil. He's the most evil person ever. But then as you grow up, it's like, also he was really stupid and funny and everyone was making fun of him. Yeah. And that was always really hard to wrap your mind around until Trump. (laughs) until like for me it was like oh it's literally the same guy Uh like this guy who is funny and like you can't help but like kind of feel a little bit like oh he's a goofy dude who's kind of fun to watch but is just like doing unspeakably horrific shit yeah and and you know right now we're living through probably a hundred thousand people at the border will die for sure Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, well, don't be an alarmist. <laughs> and it's like, when when do I get to be an alarmist? Like, how many millions of people have to die in concentration camps before it's okay? You know right. what I mean? Like, people were having the war with Hitler before they even knew about the concentration camps. Um, yeah, they only, like, found out about them when they just found them, basically. Pe- I mean, people in Germany knew. Uh-huh. But, like... I think supposedly America, like normal Americans, didn't even know that was a thing until like after the war ended. I mean, there was some amount Um, of like, there definitely were dispatches that were received here by the American Jewish people. Like there was some amount of knowledge. There was rumors and like everyone, like it's the same thing with now. There's certainly no like like, pictures, you know, there's certainly nothing that like would would pass the, uh, you know, like where's the evidence, like sort of test, like you'd have to just kind of trust people. Right. And that, I mean, there was tons of stuff like that because William Randolph Hearst was running papers. He owned all the papers in America and was saying, like, Germany's actually good and not doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, so, so it's like there was definitely a lot of lying. And then Germany was saying that the Soviets were killing millions of people. Um, you know, it was all, there was a ton of disinformation. So I understand that not everyone had a really good understanding of what was going on. But, you know, it's important to recognize that right now we're having the same exact thing happen. Like, it's very similar. Um, and so if you're going to talk about that, like 
and which I, I think that Jojo Rabbit is talking about. And it's a good thing. And they're making a very interesting point, which is that like this thing, I feel like the movie requires you to have a perspective on World War II already, like a specific understanding that the what the Nazis did was unspeakably evil. And then what's scary about that is that at the time it felt exactly like this. Yeah. And I think that point that it's making, and I think makes it pretty well in places is super good. And I like it a lot. And my only problem is that it, in the movie, it doesn't feel so unspeakably evil. Right. <laughs> um, and I think that's where the sort of like dissonance comes from for me. Yeah. I, th- I, I see what you mean. I think I need to rewatch it to like, I don't know. I, I want to rewatch it first of all, which is like very yeah. rare. Uh, there's very few movies that I like see and immediately I'm like, I'd like to watch that again to kind of like get a better Mm. sense of, um, one of the things I wanted to talk about though, in this movie that we haven't gotten to talk about yet is it as a movie, like actually just on a nuts and bolts level. One of the things that I think is really impressive about it is it's showing a side of like a war that you don't really see a whole lot where like, you're um a lot of the times when you're watching a war movie you're you're with the soldiers you're watching totally. you're watching the war happen between factions you know sometimes you'll see the people on the other side every so often you'll like have a something take place in a village or whatever and you'll like get some sense of like the people who live there and like what this war is meant to them it's mm-hmm. very rare that you see a movie where you know two thirds of it aren't at the war and then suddenly the war is just there. And then it's just like, it's utter chaos for the last, for the tail end of this movie. And this is kind Mm -hmm. of what I, where I wanted to start, but now where we're kind of ending, sorry, (laughs) uh, is it makes sense to end on the end, but yeah, yeah, there's a point in the movie where, you know, you kind of get whispers of it throughout it where somebody will say something like, yeah, you know, the war is not going so great for us. Doesn't look so good. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jojo will be like, no, we're going to be just fine. Uh, but finally, it kind of comes to the point where, like, the Soviets and the Americans are closing in on them and it just becomes hell. And, <laughs> like, this once vibrant, beautiful place full of all these, like, quirky characters you know you know, from the past like hour or so of the movie is just like blowing up everywhere. Like you have like civilians picking up guns and bombs and shit. And that's kind of part of what I was saying before about this idea of like the regular people who live there, who just are swept up in this whole thing. Right. Uh, Part of it is like at that point, it almost just feels like you're defending your town. You know, (laughs) it doesn't even feel like you're defending an ideology anymore. You're just like, I don't want my town to burn down. Yeah, and I mean, I think for a lot of people, like, you know, fascism requires rubes, Mm -hmm. you know, just this sort of, like, very small thinking kind of person who's just like, well, you know, this is our country, this is our community, and we want it to be the way we want, you know, and that's not the point of fascism. Right. (laughs) The point of fascism is to, you know, keep the, the, the class divide intact. Um, and you know, it's just a bunch of useful idiots doing really evil things, uh, to keep it that way. Um, and I do think that that 
is done but one of the but as a movie my problem with it is that it uh kind of plays that part for laughs like uh, <laughs> like rebel like rebel wilson's death is like okay see you in valhalla or whatever and she like right, runs away yeah. and then like there's an explosion that comes away and it's like off screen like, yeah it's, like, it's a little weird and goofy, goofy but it's also kind of terrifying <laughs> she's like literally sending kids out to suicide bomb she's like giving them yeah. rifles and being like all right go on then little kid and you're like it's it's just this like <laughs> insane churn that's happening of just like body after body after body just being sent out to fucking die and like yeah and i and i think i don't know because it 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 has this tone through the whole movie of like it's bad and scary but it's also like this is a funny movie i i don't yeah <laughs> the tone it's weird it's confusing i think that it's i think that the rebel wilson thing is almost like a needed bit of levity at that point it's like because mm. at that point you've seen so many people die and 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 you're scared for jojo and like by then you're scared for his friend who by the way mwah, we haven't talked about him at all jojo's oh, friend yeah. is so funny yeah <laughs> I love the him. little fat kid is the best. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're just like so fearful for all these characters and to have just like a little laugh. I don't know. Almost felt like kind of like a nice little treat for a moment <laughs> amidst all this panic where you're like, I don't know how this story is going to conclude. It kind of feels like it could make sense if Jojo dies, you know? Yeah. Have you ever seen life is beautiful? I kept thinking about life is beautiful. No, I haven't this seen movie. that. I really, uh, I'm supposed to have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't really know what like the take on that movie is anymore. Like the political take. Right. Uh, I think, I think people are nowadays kind of feels like it's a little exploitative. Um, I liked it when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that it was a really interesting movie that is, I don't know if it's necessary, but it, it definitely gives you a weird look into what happened um you know what it's about right yeah it's a it's a father and son uh, concentration camp right right where he's like pretending that it's all a game yeah um through the whole movie and so there's a lot of funny stuff in it and then but that movie really had at the end this sort of punctuated like her her horror do you know what i mean yeah like at the end when the sort of illusion breaks and the kid realizes that it's not a game and you as the audience has always known it's not a game, but you're sort of like so charmed by how they're getting through. This is this bittersweet thing that immediately just becomes like horrific and sad and it really gut punches you, but for no real reason. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like that mo- that movie does the film thing I wanted this movie to do. But this movie actually has a lot better politics or a lot more interesting politics. So, I don't know. Hmm. I feel like I wanted to see, like, I kind of wanted it to turn into a straight up, like, unfunny, you know, bloodbath at the end. And just, like, see all these characters get destroyed and be like, well, that was a dream they were having. Do you know what I mean? It's, like, important for you to understand that this was their normal lives and it's all fine. But, like, when you... What what's happening in the real world is literal murder and, and death and it's horrific mm-hmm. and you have to understand that it's horrific and then Jojo is just confronted with this like very intense stuff 
uh, and it kind of doesn't. Yeah. So it kind of feels like the there even could have just been something at the very very last moment. The the last scene of the movie is is Jojo and Elsa dancing together to uh, mm. David Bowie heroes in German. Uh, the music choices mm-hmm. in this movie phenomenal. Really enjoyed I like the that. musical that choices. Also felt very Wes Anderson-y. <laughs> uh-huh. Definitely. Um, I always like in a movie where they have no desire to try to be like period appropriate with the music. I really oh, love yeah. that. Um, but there, I think there could have been a scene where they're dancing to the music and then just kind of like the camera just kind of starts to pan out a little bit and you just see dead bodies everywhere. Kind of right. part of what was weird at the end is that like it seems like his street is unaffected. By this, <laughs> yeah. Like, or the city like, overall well, is wrecked, but his street seems to have made it out just fine. Yeah, and everything is fine for them. Like, oh, she had to hide in the she had she had to hide in a wall for a year or however long it was. But yeah. like, oh well, they came and killed a bunch of people. So let's just chill out. You know, we get to hang out now. And yeah, it, I, I, it's it's like I almost don't want to sound like I hate on it because. I do think that this was a very... I agree with you that this is an incredibly ballsy movie to make mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> and I think it's well and, executed just as a as an entertainment piece. Like, Yeah, and I think it it's just so teetering on a, a needle's edge of like, you don't want to seem like you're sympathizing with fascists, but you also don't want to like make it, you know, uh, so over the top that it doesn't feel like a real movie or like a you know you don't want it to feel like propaganda so it's on a razor's edge and i think he does a good job of never really completely falling off um but i do have political personal feelings of like you needed to do a little more to to sort of give the right message here yeah i think he it does fail in certain places so i don't think it's a perfect movie I do think it's a super interesting movie, and I think more people should make movies about what fascism has actually does to people. And I think people should make more ballsy movies where it's not clear, like, who the safe haven for the movie is. Because that's kind of, that's one of the most impressive things about this for me is, like, even if it fails, even if it didn't do a great job, it's like, it's really incredible to have taken this big of a swing for like, he's a, he's a fairly successful director at this point, but yeah, he's not that successful. <laughs> <laughs> he's not like Scorsese. <laughs> like he's not gonna right. like, <laughs> this isn't silence. This could have gone or... so poorly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also not like anything he usually does. Like he mm-hmm. usually doesn't do such overt goofy movies. I mean, like, what he do, what we do in the shadows is maybe his silliest movie, yeah. um, and even that is sort of more down to earth. Right. Um, it it's it's not his usual style. It's not his you know usual topic. He's not usually that political of a guy. So doing a straight up like movie about politics and how it affects people is pretty courageous. And I and I salute him for not being a complete lib about it. Yeah. Like the movie does seem to land on like, this is what's happening nowadays. And apparently he started writing this in 2011, like wanted to talk about like 
how fascism works. Just, yeah. He was just like thinking about well, it. That's part of why I think that it's like about nowadays, but it's also, it's, it's definitely meant to be kind of like a more expansive concept of just how people get wrapped up in fascism overall. Right. Which is so interesting that he was thinking about that before all of the sort of, you know, before the real rise of the Hydra's head. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, kudos to him for, like, wanting to sort of explain to people how this kind of happens. Um, I, I think it was, I think it's a very, yeah, I think it's good, and I think it's an interesting thing to have tried, and I don't think it completely hits the mark, but I, I don't think it's... Uh, it's like, not we're offensively about, off, either. Right, exactly. Like, it's it's not... I, I've read I read so much about this movie before I saw it mm-hmm. that I was expecting it to be like a coddling alt-right movie right almost where it was like because people just had that reaction to it like this movie is like how Nazis are the real victims and it's just like that's not how this movie goes right. or, it's definitely not what it's trying to do I thought that it definitely talks about something really important um, and I just wish it did a few different things a little bit different. Yeah. So would you recommend it? I've I've been thinking about this and I I think I'm gonna say for most people no. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I it's really hard because I think I'm gonna I think I'd have to give this movie like I I, I know we don't rate movies, but I feel like what I wanna say is like I think I give it like a six or a seven, mm-hmm. which is like it's above average movie, it takes a huge swing. And it's not a miss. Yeah. It it's really impressive in a lot of places, but like it could I just because of how confused it seems like everyone is about what the point of the movie is, mm-hmm. I'm almost scared to be like, go out and watch it. It's like <laughs> it I don't know. Like yeah. politically I just feel like it's a little confused. Uh, so I'm gonna say like maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, similarly, if I were going to rate it, which we do not do on this show, I would say six out of ten, but I would recommend it. It's it's like watching uh, this. It's something that almost never happens in baseball, but like somebody like just cracking a like almost a home run and it just slams right into the fence. You know, like it's <laughs> yeah, so they don't close. Catch it. Like it's not out. It's not out. But it's, <laughs> but it's, it's also a really good play. Yeah. It's probably a double or something. Yeah, good but. solid double. I think that actually counts as a ground roll double. Um, yeah. But it's it's a good shot at it, and I'm really impressed by the ambition of it. That's mm-hmm. I think my main takeaway from it is I'm very impressed by just the fact that he tried. Um, and right. yeah, and, and, politically confused story wise, eh, a little kind of all over the place. Uh, I feel like a couple of arcs didn't really, I don't necessarily even think that Scarlett Johansson was fantastic in it. Uh, I liked her. I liked her performance. I think she's pretty good. I think the accents are really whack all over the place. <laughs> That's a such a, we didn't even talk about this. There's such an interesting thing because it's like they're all, they all have German accents. Mm-hmm but they're speaking English and all of the text is in German. Yeah. So what you're supposed to be basically taking from it is that they're speaking German, but it's like a silly yeah, it's translated like a, it's like a babel fish. It's like you have the little fish yeah. in your ear. You can understand what they're saying. Yeah, exactly. But then at the end, um, the Soviets and the Americans show up and you hear them talk and you're like, oh, so there is, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's, but I think that's a funny decision because they get to make them talk like, Bugs Bunny yes. Nazis. You I know? just think that 
just on a very technical level, I think the accent work is like very hit or miss. Yeah, from actor yeah, to actor. I, that's such the thing about this movie is that I'm re- that I'm realizing while we talk about this is that I think maybe the politics are better than the movie, mm-hmm. and that I think like what I dis- dislike about the movie is what it was trying to do. It just didn't like hit it right emotionally, right. just because of the way the movie is structured and and shot and edited. So it's like I it's more about it's not that oh it was too easy on nazis it's just that like it doesn't feel right yeah in certain places especially towards the end which is like you said it is deeply affecting in places especially with with jojo's mom dying or being murdered in the street yeah and Um, and just in terms of like things that movies do like you never really see it portrayed this way where like the war is literally brought home for somebody (laughs) you know yeah um so yeah i would recommend it uh it's not perfect uh it's it's definitely super interesting it's very very like, interesting yeah i you, you know what I, you know what it is have you ever seen the great dictator no really yeah okay. i love buster keaton so, i've seen no charlie chaplin okay so the great <laughs> dictator is like this tone mm-hmm. for almost the whole movie he it's basically just about a, a barber who looks exactly like hitler okay and like they get swapped and it's like a silly movie where this guy is you know they accidentally gets in like Hitler's position. Um, and it's all goofy. It's Charlie Chaplin. It's slapstick. And then at the very end of the movie, he gives this like a classic iconic speech. He doesn't like talk through the whole movie. Right. And then he just gives this really important, really beautiful speech about how fascism is evil actually. But it's like written really incredibly. It's performed really incredibly. And it's like, you should just watch that speech if you haven't heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my problem with this movie is that it does all of the good things that Great Dictator does and doesn't have that speech moment. Yeah. Like it doesn't have this like really classic moment where it's like all of the ideas are like just landed right in one scene where you feel it emotionally. The acting is great. The set is right. You know, it's all great. And then it's just like you just feel it emotionally. That this is something really important to say that all of you people are deeply evil, even though they're all stupid and silly and you understand how it kind of got to this point. It doesn't. Yeah. It needs that one. Excuse it you. needs the last push just over the yeah. finish line. And it just <sighs> misses the mark a little. Yeah. Like you were exactly right with the not quite a home run thing. So, well, this has been generation loss. Thanks for listening. That's our <laughs> thoughts on Jojo rabbit. It film uh, Jojo rabbit. <laughs> The hit won absolutely Oscar, nothing at the Oscars, I think. Oscar nominated yeah. film <laughs> Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit, which again, pretty f- interesting movie. Uh, check it out, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks so much for listening. This has been us, Bryn and Jeremy. Please follow us on Twitter, Kinematography Jeremy Thunder at Gen Loss Pod. Um, also, hit up our Patreon, which we have. Yeah, patreon.com slash generation loss do some pretty fun convos about movies that are not specifically about the movie, but about the news and the industry and stuff. Yeah, And sometimes so, get weirdly introspective and talk about podcasting as a concept. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird yeah, times. You know, we're stuck inside. You know, we're going to do whatever the fuck we want and you're going to like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, nah, but thanks so much for listening and we will see, see you, you next time. Be at the movies. Be- <laughs> no, don't go to the movie. <laughs> 
I was reading about something that Charlie Chaplin said uh, about The Great Dictator, which was that if he had known when he was making the movie about the concentration camps, he wouldn't have made the movie. He wouldn't have been able to do it. He was able to make the movie at that time because the full depth of Nazism's evil had not yet been revealed. And I thought about that a lot after I watched your movie because Charlie Chaplin was, in a sense, saying, I was innocent. I didn't know how bad they were. And you believe him, right? He was making the movie before we knew about concentration camps. Before it's still an important movie. movie. It doesn't matter if they regretted it. It's still pokes holes in Nazism and fascism. And regardless of whether he knew about the camps or not, since he made the film, there have been numerous other films by filmmakers who did know. People who were still determined to make fun of these people and to make fun. The way to, to combat bullying is to make fun of bullies. Yes, we do live in the safety of 2019. But, but that was my, but, that was actually my second rebuttal. Can I jump in? Okay. Uh, in 2019 in this country and in other countries, particularly in Europe, people are worried about Nazis again. People are worried about a nationalist resurgence, an authoritarian resurgence. People are actively worried about actual Nazis. Why is that a rebuttal? Because you're saying that we have nothing to worry about. You're saying that we're, from, saying the, from that the safety, all. from the safety, and I'm quoting you back to you from the safety of 2019. Yeah, and I then mean, then we have Nazis in this country through my marching through the streets. So we think we live in the safety of 2019. Yes, we don't have to worry about Hitler and that's retribution on us for making jokes about him. I mean, this film shouldn't really need to be made. In 2019, do I really need to make a film with the heart of the message being? You shouldn't be a Nazi. At the end of World War II, there was a very clear and simple law. If you're a Nazi, you go to jail.